Hey, what's up, guys? This is Pastor Austin from Good Shepherd Church, and this is our podcast. So happy you're tuning in this week to stay caught up on what the Lord's doing in us and through us. I hope this content encourages you. I hope it challenges you, builds up your love for Jesus. Hope you enjoy the message. We love you. From Genesis to Revelation, the kingdom of God is everywhere. It's God's rule and reign. But how does God's kingdom show up here and now on earth? The kingdom of God today is saying yes to the unwanted child. It's our service to the least of these. It is God turning our pain into something beautiful. It's marriages being restored and families reconciled. It's raising kingdom movers and shakers and building up new leaders. It's planting new churches. It's God's gathered people. The kingdom of God is campuses transformed and cities renewed. It's proclaiming the good news in new languages. It's going to unreached people groups. It's following God's call and going to the ends of the earth. It's a sacrificial lifestyle of obedience. It's a life on mission. The kingdom of God today is freedom found, chains broken, people healed. It's people from every nation, every tribe, every people, every tongue. The kingdom of God is at hand. Now it's our turn to answer the call of King Jesus. We won't wait for him to return. We will pray, give, serve, and beg his kingdom come. And come on church, how are we doing this morning? What's up guys, how are we? Good. Good, good. Hey, can we just give a warm, welcoming hand to our, some of our missionaries from around the world real quick? Can we say good morning? We'll introduce them in just a moment, but what I wanted to just acknowledge real quick, if you're a guest with us, what we're doing this morning is we are having what we call our Global Missions Summit. And so what we do every few years, because we are a house that prioritizes missions work, because last week we talked about the fact that we are kingdom people, Right? Nobody said that with me. So I'm going to act like you all were paying attention last week when we were preaching, right? (laughs) Well, we're kingdom people. We care about global missions. This has been deeply wired into the DNA of this church is that we care about what God is doing around the world. And so every few years, we bring some of our missionaries in, as many as we can get. And we like to bring them in and really just love on them. We love to feed them. Amen, somebody. And we had some good food this week, didn't we? Did you guys eat well? Yeah, we had some good time. We got to pray with them and we got to hopefully, hopefully leave them feeling a little more filled up as they now get to go back onto the mission field from here. Um, but we've had a great week with them. And really what we said is we want to we break this down so that we can open up conversation to them, as many of us as possible, because we pray for a missionary every month, but we want to make sure that we're not just praying for a person somewhere around the world, uh, somewhere across the world. We want to make sure we're praying for friends people that we feel like we know a little bit. And so we said, what better way to facilitate some conversation today than maybe put some couches out and have a, a living room conversation with some of our missionaries from around the world. And so that's what we're gonna do today. And uh, it's gonna be a good time. We have some good questions. We have some great people sit in front of you today. Robin's gonna introduce you to them. I am happy to be able to introduce these folks to you. Um, first of all, I wanna acknowledge the folks that couldn't come First of all, Marcel Destiny from Haiti. We've been praying that he would be able to come, and it was just, it didn't happen. So um, continue to pray for that situation. Stephanie Luke, who works with crew in Birmingham, England. Um, She's just getting started with her fall semester, so she was not able to come. And finally, Jerry and Donna Swanson, who are with Gideons and are a part of our congregation. They were here with us this week, but then had to get out to visit some family in Florida. So, this microphone is not great. Okay, it's all right. We'll be fine. So, I'm going to introduce now everyone to you. We're going to start at that end. I mean, what about Glenn? Oh, Glenn. Yeah, we can't forget Glenn. Glenn, our founding pastor, Glenn. He may be the oldest, but he's not the least important. (laughs) 
Oh, he, without him, none of this is happening, right? Exactly. Yeah, he so. is no, almost 96 years old. And yeah, yeah, of course, Glenn. I didn't really forget him, but um, he actually sent a little greeting. So please take a minute to watch this. I want to send my warmest greetings to your global uh, outreach ministry this weekend. I'm so sorry I can't be with you. I would love to renew my relationship with all the missionaries and meet all the new people in the church. I send my love and I'm going to be praying for you. I'm so proud of you. God bless you. That was, I, I, I mean, he's 96 years old. That was such a special thing for him to be able to do. Okay, we're going to. We're going to switch that out. Okay, now I'm going to introduce the folks that are here. First of all, we have Marla Moody there on our right, my right. Yep. Marla serves with Crew, and she is actually currently living in Florida, but she's going to share a little bit more about what she does. And she is very active in the digital world internationally. Okay, next we have Eric Benson. Eric Benson. <laughs> Eric runs a rehab center in Haifa, Israel. We're going to hear a little bit about that later also. Then we have Sonny and Rhea Aparicio. <laughs> they are with World Harvest Church in the Philippines. They, they pastor a church, but they also are planting churches throughout the Philippines. Here we have Albert and Stephanie Isaac from Malaysia. They are pastors of the World Harvest Church in Kuala Lumpur, and they are planting churches in India, Southeast Asia, and their latest church is in Dubai. Yep. Yep. Okay, and here we have Mr. Troy Rendleman. <laughs> Troy is here from Illinois. He works on the campus of the University of Illinois, and uh, he does a lot of hard work with college students, so it'll be fun to hear from him. And finally, last but not least, Randy McReynolds from Thailand. <laughs> Um, Randy's wife, Kathleen, was here this summer. You might have, might remember her. Randy and Kathleen run a home for abandoned children in northern Thailand. So, welcome to all of you. We're so happy to have you here with us. So, I would like, we're going to start with Randy. Randy, I would like you to share just briefly um, how long you've been serving in Thailand and how you got connected with Good Shepherd Church. Uh, my wife and I have been serving in Thailand for almost 19 years. Uh, we first got connected in a class that we had with Robin. <laughs> got connected to Robin first, and then later we, we came to the church and eventually became members and then eventually joined the missions team and then got sent to Thailand, so. Troy. Yeah, this is my 34th year with Crew, formerly Campus Crusade for Christ. I spent six years in La Crosse, Wisconsin, 10 years in Indianapolis, Indiana, and now in my 18th year at my alma mater, University of Illinois. And I first visited Good Shepherd back in 1988, my aunt and uncle, Cindy and Steve Brady attended here in the 80s and 90s, and sometime in the late 90s, I made an appeal for mission support, and I've been with you for over 20 years now. Albert and Stephanie. Hi. Um, my wife and I uh, have been in the ministry for over 35 years, um, and we pastor churches all over Southeast Asia and planting churches as well in the Philippines, Indonesia, Thailand, uh, Malaysia, Burma. Uh, India, and the latest, as Robin mentioned, in Dubai. Uh, I got um, introduced to um, Good Shepherd Church over 25 years ago through um, one of the early missionaries of Good Shepherd, that's Pastor Jack Lockwood. And so I'm just so happy. I'm probably one of the oldest members of this church, too. <laughs> 
Yes. Sunny and Brea. Hi, um, me and uh, Ray and I have been serving uh, as pastors of the church for 15, uh, 13 years, 15 years as uh, workers. And um, we first connected to uh, Good Shepherd uh, by a holy connection uh, through Pastor Albert. Uh, Pastor Ken, Pastor Jan, Pastor Robin, and Jim went to uh, Manila to serve us, and they were, and we fed them Jollibee. So they were really spiritually fed. So when they came back here, they prayed, and they, they immediately thought that they wanted to have a relationship with us. <laughs> and um, for those of you who don't know, I've been a Cleveland Browns fan. <laughs> Connection. <laughs> Uh, the peanut, the peanut gallery, the peanut gallery. Uh, I don't know if you caught that, but Sunny mentioned that they've been serving food. They actually met in a in a uh, restaurant called the Jolly Bee, and it outsells McDonald's over there. They love the Jolly Bee, and so when they had services there, that's where they would meet. So, Eric. My name is Eric Benson. I'm serving on Mount Carmel in Haifa, Israel, at a place called Beit Nitzachon, which is the House of Victory. It was uh, founded uh, a little over 30 years ago by Pastor David Davis and his wife Karen. And we love Good Shepherd Church because they first loved us. Amen, they, they were looking for a ministry that not only was doing humanitarian work, but a ministry that was preaching the gospel. Yes. So when the Davises came to uh, Colorado, uh, a crew from this house drove down, met the Davises, and were just united in spirit. And for these many years, uh, we've stood together. David was invited here many years ago, but he said, Eric, I feel led to send you to the Rockies. <laughs> so it's an honor to be here. Amen. And, and finally, Marla. I am Marla. I'm with Crew, formerly Campus Crusade for Christ. I've been serving with Crew for 32 years. Um, so I started when I was really young. And I uh, started in the campus ministry, went to the Jesus film, uh, was a little time with commission, and then I traveled overseas and became the operations leader for North Africa, Middle East, and Central Asia, uh, living in Paris for seven years. Then I went to Turkey um, and was the operations leader for uh, Central Asia. And then I recently came back to the U.S., and I do adoption of our core products and uh, technical user support for global, um, basically all the countries around the world. And I became a believer in college, and I would come up here actually to go to church um, with people that were at CU but lived in Loveland um, and were from Loveland. So actually, Good Shepherd was one of the ways that um, I... I originally grew in my faith and then joined ministry with you about 15 years ago, I think, before I went overseas. It's awesome. Yeah, great. So happy. So happy to dive into some conversations. So I'm, we've prepared a couple questions for each of them that we've already kicked their way, so they've had time to kind of think on some answers. And a lot of these questions are birthed out of conversation that we've been having uh, over the last few days. And so my first question is going to be for you, Pastor Albert and Stephanie. Um, you're in Malaysia, and you shared on the experience that you've had with COVID lockdowns that did not look like COVID lockdowns looked like here. Uh, but you guys had a couple years worth of, of military-enforced lockdowns there. And so I would like for you to speak to what the lockdowns were like over there, but also how you and your church mobilized during that time and how you saw ministry happening coming out of the lockdowns now, how that's going for you in Malaysia. Okay, let me start. Yeah. Uh, uh, during lockdown in Malaysia, we were, we, were, we were having a very, very challenging time because there was a lot of restrictions and uh, we couldn't move uh, as freely as you could. And for over almost two years, off and on, and in long periods of time, we were at home. And every time we had to go out, we would have to face military checkpoints and police checkpoints. And if we broke the rules, that was a minimum of, uh, a, sorry, maximum of two people in a car, 
we would get fined instantly. Uh, so we tried very hard to get to the church uh, to do our recordings uh, for our services during those times. And it was very, very hard. Uh, but somehow, you know, the Lord enabled us and we, we learned a lot during that time. And uh, we had our services broadcasted just by maybe one or two people recording and preaching in the church. Uh, what's amazing about all of that is at the end of the pandemic, we saw so many people come to church who told us that uh, they were actually watching us during the time of the pandemic. And uh, they decided to come physically to church uh, after the pandemic. So we're very excited about all that God has done through that. Despite all of the uh, restrictions, we still saw God move. And we also had the privilege of uh, providing food uh, supplies for over 9,000 families uh, during the pandemic. It was amazing because in Malaysia, Muslims will not come even near to the church building. But when we gave food, they came. They came and they were lining up like miles to the church. So we thank God for that. And uh, one last thing I want to put in before Stephanie says something is that we are so grateful for Good Shepherd. We didn't even pay him to say that. He just said that. Yeah. Okay. Stephanie, for you, because you told a story the other day, um, a lot of the data from Barna uh, would indicate that people are receiving the call to go and to serve in global missions uh, before the age of 10. And Fred Markert, who's one of the kind of founding American thinkers of the, the, the current missions movement that we have in America, um, he says that the biggest hindrance to people joining missions is actually parents, <laughs> right? And so you just think about uh, part of the reason why we have all these kids in the room today is so we can be inspired to see what happens when the Spirit of God says, go, right? And so I would love for you to speak to how you have seen God move in the younger generation in your church. Right. Firstly, um, it's my greatest joy to see my own children love Jesus and serve him. I always say that after I go, I cannot take money, I can't take food, I can't take clothings to heaven, but I can take my children's lives with me to heaven. I can bring the young ones to the Lord. So uh, 25 years ago, I was so tired um, doing just lots of work in church. And I was wondering, you know, if God would send us help. So I cried out. I said, Lord, I was just at the pulpit area and I lifted up my hands. I was in church and there was no service going on. There were some children on the pool, I mean, on the seats. And I said, Lord, please send us help. Please send help to Albert and I. And I heard him say, I've sent you help. And I said, where? He said, open up your eyes and see. And I saw my son, my nephews, and some church members crawling under the chair, jumping on the chair, rolling on the floor. They had kicked one left shoe to the right, the right shoe to the left. I said, you got to be kidding me. These? <laughs> Fast forward, um, I realized at the age of 43, together with Albert, that we needed to have successes in the ministry. So we began to train these young ones. We began to mentor them. And today, they are leaders in the church. So during the pandemic, they were the ones who stepped up in technology, teaching us how to record using an iPhone. Yeah, I've never learned yeah. so much in my life. And <laughs> I think we all did. I think that's true for all of us. And they led church while you guys are here. Right now, I mean, right. not right now, but, you know, 13 hours ago. They're taking care yeah. of things back home. That's amazing. I, I'm so blessed. Yes, amen. So, um, if you really want to see your children go into missions, I think it's good for them to go. Um, if you want to, if they are spoiled and they're entitled, send them to the Philippines. <laughs> Jolly Bee is there. Jolly Bee is there. <laughs> They'll survive. But they will come back thanking you for your, the bed you give them. Yes. And the yes. clothing they wear Amen. and the food Amen. they eat. Man. You know? Yeah. That's good. So yeah. for those who want to go into missions, I think go ahead, you know, get your secular degree if you need to, and then come out, you know, using your secular degree as a stepping stone into these third world countries so we can get you your 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 
immigration papers without any problems and then be a tent maker and serve the Lord. That's cool. That's cool. That's great. Thank you for those answers, guys. Okay, uh, Marla, I said this to you. I'm always struck every time I hang out with Marla about how much of a, a boss you are. Um, <laughs> She just says her title, and I'm, I'm awestruck a little bit. The global support and strategic system implementation of adoption of user support, all those words are in there, you know? Um, you're probably our most globally connected missionary. Um, and so could you speak to a minute for what is encouraging you, what you're seeing in the church around the world? Yeah, thank you. Um, in 1917, or yeah, 1917, Russia became communist. And that atheist society did not make church illegal. It made the, the, work, uh, the workings of the church illegal. And so the church became irrelevant. In Iran today, uh, church is illegal. There's no, you're not allowed to have church. And there's thousands and thousands of home churches that are being raised up even today. And you know what the government calls the church in Iran? a virus because they don't like it and it's multiplying. Come on. Come on. Praise the Lord, huh? Yeah. I can tell you all day about Tajikistan and Uzbekistan, but when I came back to the States in 2018, one of the hardest adjustments I had was to the church. And I hate to say that, but it's true. It seems as if sometimes in the U.S. that we've uh, traded out our calling for comfort. Yeah. Sorry. And so, you know, what does it look like to be in the aroma for Christ? We need to have this as a place that we uh, are encouraged, that we have fellowship, that we, um, that we encourage one another. But what does it look like? for a broken person to come in, whether it be someone who's divorced, a, a drug addict, a, a trans person, what would it look like for them to be able to come in and have their humanity embraced and their brokenness understood? Or maybe not understood, but at least accepted to have someone come alongside them. We can be the intersection between the truth of the gospel and broken people. Yeah. And I, when we do that, we have relevance. Yeah. If we allow, yeah, if we, if we allow the comfort to go there and not press into that discomfort of the gospel, truth and love together, we can become irrelevant. So that's my encouragement. No, that's good. That's a good encouragement. That's a good reminder. Um, you know, maybe even to piggyback off that just a little bit, you face a couple barriers um, as you serve in ministry. Um, you're a women in ministry, which presents its own set of barriers, especially when you go into these cultures that are predominantly male-centered. Um, and you also uh, have served as a single person uh, your whole time in ministry. Could you kind of, uh, for some of our single people that are in our congregation today, could you kind of explain how you've seen God move in that time in your life? Okay, little secret. It's awesome being single in ministry. You don't have to wait until you're married. You don't have to be happy. Later, you can choose right now. As a woman, there's a lot of barriers as well, and that's okay too. In the Middle East, when I first became an operations leader for the region, I had one person come up, one man from Egypt go, they are so lucky to have you. I wish I could be on your team. And I had another person come up to me and said, I'm going to have to pray if I can work under a, a woman. And he called me Madam Dictator for a while, actually. <laughs> and we became very good friends. Um, at the end of the time, I had one man uh, zoom, zoom in with me and he goes, this is what I told the, the leader of the whole region. He goes, I've, I've been under many, many people, and he listed many, many different leaders he's been under. He goes, but you have been the best leader. Yeah. Awesome. Now, that's not praise for me, because again, I have all these things. This is a few secrets I, I have figured out. First of all, you please God, you don't please man. Yes. 
Second of all, care for yourself. Because when a, a tired leader is a, is a leader that's going to wound. If you want to confront a man, feed him first. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? If you want to influence, don't tell. Listen and ask questions. That's so good. That's, That's really good. Awesome. The more we can be who we are, and I love what, the, what it said. It said, my confidence is your faithfulness. Yes. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Thank you so much, Marla. Um, Troy, I'm going to kind of piggyback to you because you have also uh, been single your entire, entire time in ministry. Um, and you're also a little older than the average college student at this point. And yet you find yourself uh, leading and, and helping serve in college ministry. Um, and so could you just kind of speak to that as well? I was feeling good until you said I was a little older than a college student. <clears throat> I, I thought you knew. I'm going to have to process that a little bit. Um, wow. Hurtful. Um, I am single, and when I became a follower of Jesus, like many of you, the, the Word of God says I'm complete in Christ. Yes. Amen. So I am a big advocate of marriage. I, biblical marriage is a wonderful thing, and a, a marital partner compliments you in ministry, but you are complete in Christ. Don't sit around as a single thinking, oh, there are better days to come. I say bloom where you're planted. And I say that a, a lonely single will become a lonely married person. Amen. Marriage is not meant to meet all your deep needs. Uh, there's a beautiful gift of marriage. But if you are single, don't sit on the sidelines. There's a lot of room for you in God's kingdom. You're a part of the body of Christ. So you have brothers and sisters. You're not alone. Uh, yeah, and I think uh, find your identity in Christ and Christ alone. I, I have a lot of <clears throat> sub-identities. I'm a man, I'm on staff with crew, I'm a son, I'm a brother, but my primary identity is I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm his child and operate out of that strength rather than woe is me. And a lot of things about marriage are grass is always greener. I've met a lot of unhappy married people. So yeah. Yeah. bloom where you're planted, follow Jesus. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you, Troy. That's a great encouragement. Um, I... I was really encouraged by what you're seeing coming out of COVID on the college ministry. I think we tend to think that uh, if America is sort of waning in its love for Jesus, then that's especially true on the college, uh, on the university campus. And so could you explain kind of what you're seeing coming out of COVID uh, this year in particular? Yeah, COVID affected all of us in a lot of very dismal, sad, lonely ways. And that was true in the campus ministry. Two years ago was some of my lowest moments in the ministry because we didn't have a lot of students and we didn't have FaceTime with students. And that's so valuable when you're doing campus ministry, probably many types of work, but certainly in the campus ministry. So I have seen, I've been encouraged this year, our numbers are up. Uh, and I believe COVID uh, prompted some of that because during COVID people were lonely. You don't want to sit and stare at a screen all day. You want to get out, see people and be with people, take your mask off hug, fist bump, all those things. And so coming out of COVID, we're seeing students that are hungry for fellowship. They might not even be Christians. They're just hungry to be around people. We had a freshman overnight last month and a, a girl came home from that and posted, I can't believe I've made such deep friendships in one night because they got real. They spent all night uh, talking about deep things. And so COVID has what, what Satan used for evil, God's using for good. Uh, we hunger for fellowship. And don't worry about the college campus. Yes, there's always going to be sin on the college campus. There's lots of non-biblical thought. But we're looking for the remnant of believers who love Jesus. And we don't know who they are till we share the gospel with them. Amen. Amen. And so we are out on campus taking the gospel to the students, letting them know that Jesus is the answer to the deep needs of their heart. They're trying to find that in academic success or a mate, or all the kind of things. College isn't that different than it was years ago. It's the same kind of principles. But we've taken the gospel to students and looking for that remnant that want to say, yeah, I want to follow Jesus. Yeah, it's so good. So good. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Sonny and Ray, my, my, uh, my brother from another color, is what you said the other day. Come on. My Filipino buddy. 
Uh, a little bit different height. Yeah, we're sitting on this stool now, and it's close. But if we stand up, it's not so yeah. close. Yeah. Um, okay, you guys, when you were sharing the other day, uh, it just struck me. Similar story to, to Albert and Stephanie over here. But could you kind of just share what God has done with the next generation in your church as well? Sure. And if Pastor Stephanie's story was 25 years ago, ours was seven years ago. Um, so I work in a corporate job that does talent management during that time. So I knew how succession is very important. And how many of you believe we're not here for eternity on earth, right? We're in the, by the Spirit for eternity, but we understand that we're just going to be temporarily living on the earth. But God, you know, His church is His so the work should continue and the church door should remain open, whether we're here or another generation. And we believe that, you know, he's the ancient of days and the same yesterday, today and tomorrow. But really, from a big picture perspective, we know that he brings individuals together, generations together for the continuity of his purpose. So seven years ago, same, I was crying. I wasn't even sharing it with her. We were sitting beside each other. They were visiting the Philippines. And I was just crying because I'm really tired. Like, we wanted to build the church. That's our first step. Start with the church. And there's a handful of people. When we are doing the worship, they're all standing and there are empty seats behind us. Except for a couple of children from 7, 6 to 13, like running around, same thing. You know, my nephews, nieces, and our previous pastors, kid and their friends. They bring friends to church, which is actually quite amazing too. So I was praying, crying. Pastor Stephanie turns around, nods her head. I could remember. And then she said, these, and I was crying. I'm in the middle of crying. Like, I'm really tired, God. You know, you know we need... Uh, leaders, future leaders, co-laborers, bring people to church that will help us. And Pastor Stephanie goes, these are your church leaders, your co-laborers. And I remember having the same thing. I'm like, are you kidding me, God? And I'm crying. And I don't know if I was smiling or crying from the inside because they were very young. But fast forward today, this year is the seventh year. And we're able to spend this time with all of you to pray and to just have to connect and have the relationship because they're back home, leading the church, running the shop, running the church operations from the worship team to the creatives, everything. And all they tell us is that, can we get your video to show on a Sunday? So we show to everybody, but they're running everything. What's amazing with these young people is that a lot of them were not even brought by their parents. They were brought by friends. Yeah, 13 awesome. years old, bringing friends, messaging me, oh, we don't have fare to go to the church, but I'm bringing like seven <laughs> friends with me. Yeah. I'm like, Sunny, wake up early, pick them up, bring them yeah. to church. So after many gruesome years of patience, God's faithfulness and grace, they're the ones now leading. We didn't stop with building your church. God shared with us, build the church build a family, and now we're gearing towards building community. And these are the people that will be running alongside us. Yeah, so, so we're you're just saying, really you're glad. saying, kids, bring your friends to church. Yes, bring your friends to church. read your Bible and pray every day, and then yes. we're going to hire you in a few yes. years, maybe, <laughs> the plan. So. And they bring their parents or to Or we'll church. send them to you. Or send them to us. Yes, We'll feed on. them Jollibee. <laughs> feed them Jollibee. Okay, real quick. Well, no, no. We'll do that for later. No, no, hot take. Jollibee or Chick-fil-A? Jollibee. Oh my. Chicken I'm sorry. Are you serious? It has become a holy chicken because the church now is there on the okay, second floor. Okay, no, no, no. We don't I'm want any kidding. heretical teaching coming off the stage today. You have to Ray. try though. Okay. I do have to have it sometime though. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Sonny, um, can I ask you, you said 80% of the people in your church are first generation Christians. So you kind of understand what that means. It's the first, it's the first person in their family to become a Christian. How does that, how do you guys do that? How do you guys do that? And how do you, how do you tolerate having a little messiness in the church with that? Well, um, I, I love it how uh, last Sunday when Austin was talking here, uh, he, he took the time to, um, get, to get everyone into that atmosphere of awareness that the church is a family and that the family has a purpose in the community. And we do that often Every day, every time that we get together with people and we make them aware that 
the church has a purpose and they're part of this family and they also have a purpose. We believe that the church is called out. We believe that every person, like when you're sitting beside the person right now, this person has a specific purpose from God. Yes. And we are in the culture of honoring what God has placed in every person. Yes. So when we, we, when we have a community gatherings, when we have community activities, we make it a point to gather everyone and we don't consider uh, like a segmentation of first generation, second generation, you know, that we gather them together and we allow them to take part in what we're doing in the community. And you know what? When they see, uh, when I mean, giving food, praying for one another, giving clothes, it doesn't take so much theological knowledge for you to step in and to know that God is using you to bless another person. And when you do that, as you look at the person and you see hope in their eyes and you see that there's a bit of life that they've understood, even if you're a first-generation Christian, we believe that as you're stepping into your purpose, God is building you and God is building your purpose alongside of you. Amen. So yeah, there's growth so much in that. Yeah, that's yeah. so good. So good. Awesome. Um, okay, Brother Eric, how are you, man? Yeah. <laughs> This guy's like, he's, he's a character. I love you so much, man. Um, okay. I think the last couple of years for America have been a, they've been a pretty divisive couple of years. We've all felt that. We've talked about that a lot as a church. Um, really the, the racial tension, the political tension, the, the tension over uh, COVID and all that has brought in our families and at our Thanksgiving tables. Uh, can you talk about uh, just some of that that exists in Israel and some of that that God has done even in your own life as well? You know, the history pages of Israel are filled with stories, testimonies of tragic events of George Floyd. Yeah. Both people groups, Arabs and Jews together, it's as if they're, they're crying out, I, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And over the years, a history of uh, racial tension hatred, division, uh, is creating within the peoples of Israel hearts of stone. And it's tragic to see as uh, you live in this nation when rockets are coming in from uh, southern Israel and uh, praise the Lord for the Iron Dome that is protecting uh, many of the uh, peoples and neighborhoods. But this most recent in the last two years that there was something new that was happening. The tension in the inner cities uh, was unbelievable and the, the violence between Jews and Arabs in the inner cities. Now I'm blessed to be living on Mount Carmel, the home of uh, the prophet Elijah who crossed over to the other side and ministered to the Gentiles in Lebanon. But here in, in Haifa, Israel, which is a showcase of um, uh, reconciliation, a showcase of coexistence, when 200 Jewish people were marching down the streets with a police escort waving Israeli flags and horses with policemen upon them shouting out, death to the Arabs, death to the Arabs. There is an intense hatred in the lands. And there's that cry, I can't breathe. It is truly like living in the valley of dry bones. But there's a promise that when we prophesy, when we proclaim God's word, that he is gonna breathe upon those dry bones and there will be a release of resurrection power. The day is coming when God is gonna pour out the spirit and power of Elijah and that there will be a one new man. I love it in Ephesians when it says that the, the enmity will be put to death. The Spirit of God, the hope is the outpouring of God's Spirit upon the land and the one new man that God will create in that nation will be seen to the ends of the earth. Man, Hallelujah. On. Yes. So now, yeah, yeah, that's so good. We can clap. I, can, you, can you go a little bit further now into that with, your, with House of Victory? You guys minister to addicts in Haifa. And you see both Arab and Jewish people alike. And can you tell us just about a little bit about your philosophy in your ministry there? 
well, philosophy in regards to drug rehabilitation or yeah. reconciliation? Both, yeah, speak to both for me. You know, when, when David Davis began the work, it's not just simply a drug rehab, but it becomes a platform uh, to bring the message of reconciliation between Jews and Arabs together. And I came to Israel with a passion and a burden for the Jewish people, and the Lord had to speak to me and convict me, and I said, God, teach me to love the Arab people. Because you cannot do, I mean, all of us, if we just have a, a passion for the Jewish people, it's not enough. We need the double portion yeah. because God is shedding his love abroad in our hearts so that we can release the same spirit. You know, in regards to the rehab ministry, the hope is this. Our ministry, it can be summed up in one word, Jesus. And those who are in Messiah become a new creation. The old things pass away. Our ministry is not based on the worldview of addiction is a, uh, is a disease or a sickness. Uh, our worldview is through faith, the model of faith that says that through repentance, because addiction is a sin, and Jesus came to take away our sin. He sent his word to heal us, and this is the hope that as the word of God goes forth, there can be a release of healing and, and reconciliation. And I've witnessed and I've seen this in the nation on Mount Carmel. Amen. 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 And you've had such a restoration with your love for Arab people that you married an Arab woman. And she's awesome. Well, I, I you're ran, out of time. You're out of time. I, I I just, of that's time. just my comments, I guess. That's just my <laughs> but comment. But if you want me to speak on that, I, I can do no, that. No, no, no. Listen, listen, listen. I can already tell that was a bad idea. So let's just uh, let's keep going. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Randy, Randy, I'll ask you kind of these final couple, couple questions. Um, you, you mentioned the other day, you, you, you run, you and uh, Kathleen run what we would consider as an orphanage, but you don't prefer that language. And because words matter, you call it a living center for abandoned children, which I love that language. Um, but you were, you were discussing how, um, how, how you're excited about who is up and coming in your ministry. And last week we were talking about with global missions, it's not just important that we go, it's important how we go too. We're trying to uh, not just culturally Americanize everybody, but we're trying to take the gospel contextually to different places. Could, could you maybe just answer this question bluntly? Uh, does the world need more white missionaries? <laughs> the world needs more missionaries, period. <laughs> uh, should, should we send people into other cultures? That's a good question because the native, uh, the people that are the, you know, part of that culture are obviously gonna reach more people. They can communicate much better. Um, if you have, uh, let's say you have an American missionary going to a culture, uh, and even if he speaks the language well and communicates well, uh, he will bring a few disciples into the body of Christ and any one of those disciples, if he's, say he's there for 30 years, any one of those disciples could probably go out and bring as many, if he's of the same level, charisma, et cetera, could bring in as many disciples in one year as that foreigner brought in in 30. So why do we do that? Well, the one reason is the gospel, that is what the gospel says to do, right? This, the example in Scripture is to send people out. Now, why? Well, if you look at the example I gave you, how did that strong disciple, how did he become able to reach that many disciples? He was discipled by the foreigner. Okay? The, anyone uh, willing to go into another culture and try to reach people is they're going to receive some honor from those people. And, and you will reach some people that the natives may not reach. But the, the point is, uh, there is also a connection. We have to have a connection. We, the body of Christ should be the body of Christ worldwide, right? If we never send somebody out to another culture, then there won't be any connection between our culture and that culture. The spiritual connection is we're supposed to all be the same body. Uh, in Jesus' eyes, there is only one race, the human race, right? 
the cultures are different, and so we have to adapt. But if we, we have to have some connection with them, yes. right? If there's no physical connection, there won't be any spiritual connection either. We don't want to have the body of Christ in one culture, another body of Christ in another culture. It needs to be all the body of Christ under Jesus. Yes, yeah. And you guys personally have seen, how many kids have come through the, the, living, the living center for you guys? Somewhere around 50. Somewhere around 50 kids really that they've, that they've taken care of, raised up in, in, in Thailand there. And now one of the kids that went through your program is now potentially going to be someone who you pass that ministry off to and is a, a, a native Thai. Yes. And you guys are believing that he's going to do far more work than even the amazing work that you and Kathleen yes. did in your time. Yeah. It's, it's a simple fact that the native, the native people in the culture will reach more people. Yes. Uh, for a lot of reasons. One is trust issues. One, another is language. Another is culture. Right. Uh, you know, no matter how well you learn the language or the culture, most, most cultures are not receiving you as native part of the culture. Yeah. We'll always be a foreigner. Yeah. Yeah. So, but without, but without the foreigner, there, this young man doesn't happen. Yeah. Right? right. And now this young man can hopefully stand on your shoulders and the ministry will just continue yeah. far into the future. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, right. Do you see that? So could you maybe, yeah, go, we can clap. It's always that everyone wants to clap and it's good. We should clap. Could you maybe just answer for us then? How did you know when you were called? Can you walk us through yeah. that experience? Well, as you can tell, I'm a little older than most of these missionaries. Than the average college uh, student. I'm yeah, the old you man. are a little older than the average college student. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't uh, walking with the Lord for a lot of my life. So when I did start trying to walk with the Lord, I didn't really feel like I was uh, qualified to be a missionary, right? My wife has felt like she's been called her whole life, but I didn't. And uh, so I was difficult for the Lord to reach me, but uh, I, and I truly believe that there are probably a lot more qualified people than I am that were called first and said no, right? <laughs> so, <clears throat> but what really uh, made me decide to follow Christ in all, all his, uh, whatever steps he took with me, was seeing what he did in other people's lives. The, there are miracles, you know, people get healed. I've, I've seen them. But the true miracle, the most common miracle, is what Jesus does in somebody's heart. Yes. Right? And that is what made me feel like I was called. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Man. This has been a great time and like some really good questions. We had maybe some rapid fire Q&A questions, but I think for the sake of time, what we're going to do is we're just going to spend some time praying for you guys. The spoiler alert in the rapid fire Q&A is, is, why don't you just tell them real quick your favorite flavor of ice cream? Ube and cheese. That's purple yam and cheese. Purple yam and cheese, everybody. Come on. I, hey, I'm going to try it sometime. No judgment. No, I'm going to try it. And the real hot take is that you think Jolly Bee is better than Chick-fil-A. I still... Are there any Jolly Bees in America? Yes. There are, aren't there? Yeah, like in LA? Okay, okay. Maybe worth the trip, maybe not. Yeah, yeah. These are, these are tremendous people that we get to serve alongside. Um, I want you to know this is, this church, I mean, if, if I look towards you now, uh, is an incredibly generous church. Uh, we are able to give over 10% to our global missions team every year. And so that's gonna be over $100,000 that goes out the door this year alone. Yeah, praise God. And it's, it's, far, it's far north of a million, if you think, just even over the last 10 years, right? And so um, it's a value of ours. It's a deep value of ours. Uh, this time with you guys has been so rich, and, and I, we, we love you deeply. We love you deeply, and we care for you, and we uh, are so blessed to get to sit with you for just a little bit. And so we would love to um, pray for you guys just before we end our time together today. So if you guys would, even just in the seats, if you just kind of posture yourself in a position to, to, to bless them, if we think of like posturing ourselves to receive and now we're posturing to bless. And so God, just looking down the line, um, I'm just so struck with gratitude um, for these missionaries, but the missionaries also that couldn't be here. Um, and I pray God that you, uh, by the power of your Holy Spirit, uh, the, res the resurrection power that now uh, lives in us, would they continue to be effective and fruitful in all of their work around the world? 
God, I think of the campuses and the children and the leaders and the churches and the, the, the different ministries just around the globe, the addicts that are all touched by these people sitting right here. And God, we pray, for, we pray that you would do more. Would you just continue the work that you've been doing in them? I pray that they would have um, a supernatural sense of communion with you, Jesus, coming out of this time. I pray that they would, if we could have one thing that they are leaving feeling more uh, close with or connected to, it wouldn't even necessarily be our church body, but it would be you, Jesus, that your presence and your anointing and your power would be more close to them than it has been, um, maybe, maybe than it has been in a while. I know coming out of COVID is tiring and it's disorienting and it's just odd at times. And so God, we pray that would you just kind of bust it all off and would you help them just continue to do amazing things in your kingdom? We're so grateful for all the work they do. And we just pray as a church body now on our end, God, would we just continue to be the kind of church that supports them well? I pray that when they're thinking through, man, how, how does it look to have a church that supports them well? Would they think of our name and the ways that we're doing things? So would you, Holy Spirit, give us more creativity and wisdom and insight on how we can bless them and resource them to just continue to be effective where they're at, Lord. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this time as a church family that we can gather and hear from them. I pray for the times that we're going to pray for them in the future, that we would continue to have not just uh, pictures on the screen, but would we really feel more connected um, to what's happening around the world? Uh, Lord, we, I think we just, we all, maybe if you all could just stand now, if you could all stand as we dismiss today. I, I, would, I would love to have space in a service like this where the Holy Spirit could just nudge us how he wants to. Do you know what I mean? Uh, not all of us are called to go, but some are. And so maybe God is just even kind of pricking your heart to have this little stirring of like, man, what would it look like for me to go somewhere? Am I, am I called to go? Uh, maybe it's not being called to go. Maybe it's being called to support and called to participate, called to pray. I would love if you would even just get a list from Robin, maybe a little uh, list of the ministries we support and put them on your fridge, put them in a place of prominence in your house so you can continue praying for these people throughout the year, right? And so let's just ask, Holy Spirit, would you just, would you just lead us and guide us? God, we are, we are a church family trying to impact the city that we're living in while we extend our reach around the world. And so would you help us, Lord? Uh, that, is, that is no small feat, God. It's gonna take uh, miraculous work by the power of your Holy Spirit for us to do that. And so God, we just invite you now. We invite you now. Holy Spirit, whether you wanna call us to go, to be sent, or whether you wanna call us to participate, to, to resource, to give, God, whatever it looks like, our yes is on the table to you, Jesus. So Holy Spirit, fill us up and give us direction. Yeah, God, we trust you. We trust you. We know that even when we're serving, I loved it, Sonny, you said this, even when we're serving, God, you're meeting us in our purpose, even if we don't have all of the, all of the logistics figured out yet. And so God, I just pray that for those of us today who have never maybe put our yes on the table, would we just put our yes on the table for you and let all of the, all of the work and all the details and logistics get, get worked out in time? But God, we want to follow you. We want to be submitted to you. And we glorify you and thank you for everything that you're doing in our body and in our church family around the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.